customer experience is your brand. All about the interaction that a customers customer are not has just customers that can the be kind of experience you give to people. Customers. That's what they're going. Amazon wants you to buy something. A warranty company wants their contractors. Customer to do experience, you know, it really is how your brand gets projected out in, into the world. Business is not just business; it's very human. And hello there, ladies and gents. This is Todd Stewart, and welcome back to another episode of In The Know, a dispatch-powered podcast dedicated to highlighting the individuals and the companies who create memorable, long-lasting customer experiences. It's my job to dissect and understand how Kurt Wilson, the Director of Customer Care and Central Sales at Breather, thinks about customer experience. So who is Kurt? Well, Kurt has over 20 years of customer experience and at Breather, he is solely responsible for making sure every customer experience is enjoyable and memorable. In today's discussion, we'll cover a handful of fascinating topics. What role customer experience plays in the on-demand economy, the importance of feedback and how to collect the right data, why net promoter score is the most important KPI, and we also cover topics on Zendesk, signals versus is noise, customer retention, among many other things. So as always, grab a pen, grab some paper, and please enjoy this insightful customer experience conversation with the one and only Kurt Wilson. Well, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of In The Know. This is Todd Stewart, and we have a very exciting guest today. Uh, We have Kurt Wilson. Kurt, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So I like to start off uh, these episodes sometimes with different segments. This one I like to call Super Tools. And I think you're perfect for this uh, with your background. But I'd love to know, what are some tools that you use on a day-to-day basis that you really can't live without? These tools can be a physical object. They can be applications that you use, basically things that just streamline your work. The number one tool that we use, and I think that I would be completely tipping the water without it, is, uh, is Zendesk. So obviously, from a, I run the customer care department. So obviously, our phones are important, our phone applications, which are talk desk. We use chat. And um, we also use email, like everyone else does, and all of our social accounts. But all of it is consolidated in Zendesk. So the first and most important tool that we have is, is that. Um, obviously, we have a bunch of supporting tools that we also use, things like Looker. Um, for, for people that don't know what Looker is, it's, it's a, a tool to kind of query the database so that I can go in and I can do research, I can look at results, I can understand trends, I can run reports, I can do whatever I want with that based on all the information that goes into our database. Um, obviously, uh, Slack Right now, it's, it's very, very important for us. It, it's highly integrated into a lot of our operational processes. So uh, Slack is definitely um, a huge part of what we do and what we need. Um, obviously, we have our own proprietary software, which we use, which is Backstage, which allows our guys to kind of do the actual physical work of, of bookings and managing customer requests and stuff like that. But above all that, Zendesk is absolutely number one for us. Is, is there one tool that you use on a personal side that you say, like, you wake up in the morning and this is something that you use every single day? Well, yeah, I mean, Looker is main, the main thing that I use every single day. Okay. I wouldn't have insight into what's going on without it. And I don't think there's a day that goes by that I haven't 
haven't been in there for at least an hour or two hours a day. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's so critical to what I do. Cool. Well, we'll, we'll put all the links to everything Kurt just mentioned in the show notes, uh, on the, on the blog. Kurt, I, I'd love to know what does customer experience mean to breather? Well, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think customer experience is at the forefront of what we do. I mean, if you just take a look at, at what our model is, is that you have people that need space. They need somewhere to go work. They need somewhere that's quiet, somewhere that has the amenities that require things like Wi-Fi. And like there, there are a multitude of choices people can, can choose from. Like they can work from home. They can work at a coffee shop. Um, they can work wherever there's Wi-Fi. But I think the one thing that we 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 try to provide consumers is is like a full experience um, without necessarily even needing to to talk to another human being. I mean, you can go into the app, you can find a space in your area, you can book it for like an hour and a half. So you've got to sit down and put your head down and really do some work. You walk in, the space is beautifully designed. Um, you have Wi-Fi. I mean. Heck, we've got a TV on the wall generally, so you can connect your, your computer up to the TV and do support that way. So the whole experience of going through um, the booking, um, getting to your room, um, getting access to the room, and, and walking in, it's so important because if any of those pieces fail along the way, you're going to view kind of booking with breather as a, as a, as a hassle. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, the whole experience from A to Z needs to be easy. Um, it needs to be comfortable. And I mean, th- there's got to be some value adds that are included in that. Mm-hmm. So things like um, like just beautiful design, I think, is one of the, the biggest add ons that we have as a, as a company. We have a whole team just dedicated to that. Um, so obviously, you know, if people aren't don't have a good experience, they're not going to spend the little bit of extra to, to come to a breather rather than say go to a coffee shop. So we want to make sure that we always refine, always learn, and always kind of update and and improve upon the experience that previous customers have had with us. Quick follow-up to the point that you made about how customers want to do things themselves, like they want the the fully automated process. Do you find that that's sort of like the new trend and is it continuing in that way where customers want to self-serve themselves? Yeah, I I do think there's a large group of people that do want to self-serve. And I also do think there's a large group of people that that want help. So it's actually very interesting when I look at the consumer behaviors from, from from our side of things. Um, we still get a fair amount of people that contact customer care because they want to make a reservation and they almost don't want to interact with the website. They're like, I know what you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you just help me find a room and book it for me? Unfortunately, there are a small group of people um, that want to do this and, and a large number of people don't. And I mean, a lot of people just go off and do their own thing. Yeah. And I, I really do think that it, it is the difference, generally speaking, Um, that I've seen between these consumer types are business users versus people that are using Breather for a more personal experience. Uh, Business users tend to have a lot more requests and requirements and things that they need specifically for meetings. Whereas, you know, you've got like a small group of people that are getting together to have, like they're going to plan something. They just need to show up with a couple laptops and and chat it out. Whereas if you've got a, a much more, 
a much longer booking where you've got a bunch of business people showing up, you might call us and say, we need catering. Can you, are we allowed catering? Uh, we need this or that, or we need a projector. So I think that over time, um, as we learn these little things that people are asking for, we can build them into the product so people can then self-serve. Like, oh, I have this option. It's available to me on the website. I don't, I don't actually need to contact Breather to figure out, uh, to, to ask for it, because I can just ask for it in turn, uh, on the website. So uh, I do think that over time, as we learn more from our consumers that, that do contact us, we can kind of build those into the product so that they, they don't need to reach out to us. What I want to do, what I really want to strive for, is service consumers in the way that they want to be serviced. So give them all the ability to do it for themselves mm-hmm. if they choose to. But if they want that extra layer of support and they want to talk to a person, I want to make sure that that person is there and available to them. You know, it's a great point that there will always be people who, who want that extra help. Um, and to have the service there to appeal to that, I think is is great. But you're right. The more data that is collected, then you can make the decisions to make this self-serve process pretty much flawless, regardless of what you're looking to have in a, a room that you rent from you guys. When somebody rents a room from you, what are you doing to make sure that they want to come back? What what we want to make sure is <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot to this to this answer. So obviously, I mean, if we hear nothing from you, you just book your room. Maybe what we'll do at the end of the, at the, at the reservation is we'll get a rating from you or you'll fill out our NPS survey and mm-hmm. we'll get some feedback from you on that level. But what we want ultimately our service promise uh, to consumers that we want to live up to is ease of access with what we promised a beautiful, clean, you know, room that, that fits the needs that you have mm-hmm. and that, um, you know, the Wi-Fi works, the TV works, you understand how all of this functions. Now I know, you know, when you have in-room tech, things get can get complicated because not everyone's super tech savvy. So, I mean, some of the challenges that we face about people that come into rooms is understanding how to, how to kind of interact with the technology that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of what we are doing is we're trying to boost as easy to interact with as possible. We're also trying to make them as comfortable as possible while still beautifully designed. From the way that we approach the customer experience is every step has got to be easy. It can't be on the consumer to need to go above and beyond. We as a company, it's on us. Even when it comes to the customer care side of things, um, like I don't, I don't force people to go through giant IVRs to speak to somebody. I want you to be able to get through to someone immediately or get through on chat or get through on something else. And we're not going to ask you a lot of upfront questions. We're going to let you talk to us and we are going to be the ones who are going to sort it out and, and kind of tag and collect everything. And so this whole approach to the customer experience is make it easy, make it simple, make it comfortable and make it productive and useful. With all of the data that you're collecting, how important is it to get those MPS ratings and that feedback rating right away when somebody's through using a room of yours? So that's actually a really great question because it's super critical to us to be able to understand what's broken or what people like or what could be improved. 
Um, from a, a rating standpoint and an NPS standpoint, we, we pour over these all the time. And, and they're used in all departments to kind of understand how we can improve. So from a rating standpoint, so just to break it down on how we, we collect this feedback, we have NPS, we have room ratings, we've got uh, customer care tickets, uh, and then we obviously have other you know, qualitative data. And then we have data about uh, the people that actually go clean the rooms and what's broken, what's what needs to be addressed. You know, do, do we notice anything out of the ordinary? Mm-hmm. Um, so we leverage all these different feedback uh, from the consumers in, in various ways. Obviously, the highest priority that that we manage is the customer care tickets because these are things that are happening in real time. So, an example: somebody pops up on chat and says, "Hey, my Wi-Fi is not working." we have to fix that or that's going to absolutely ruin um, the customer's experience. And there are a series of plan A, plan B, plan C actions that we can take to try to alleviate that issue. Otherwise we may even need to do something like say, sorry, can we actually, we can relocate you because Wi-Fi is not working. You know, we've done things, uh, we've gone as far as to like pay for an Uber to move somebody because there was an error Mm -hmm. just because we want their experience to be, exceptional and we want them to come back from an MPS and a rating standpoint or room rating standpoint. We, we pour over these. Actually, I, I actually physically read every single comment <laughs> that every customer leaves. I, I'm, I'm a little crazy. Um, it's, it's a good but, crazy. Yeah. It's a good crazy. Cause I, I actually end up understanding very, very clearly where the, the areas of concern are and, and what we need to improve on. So, I mean, I've seen comments like, Hey, you know, this t- the table in this room isn't close enough to a plot. So we'll go back to the, the local teams and the design team and say, look, we need to change the functionality of this room because, yeah, it looks beautiful. But if I can't sit comfortably at a table and plug in my laptop, then like it's kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. There, there are various degrees of action that we can take. Some are much more immediate, um, which are things in the moment. Um, and some things are much more uh, like... Lo- like midterm, like needing to, to, to deal with the functionality of the space. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the more, much more long-term things like NPS is, a, I, I feel is like a very long bend towards the future because honestly, if your NPS is going down, are you even doing the right things as a company? Are you, is your strategy and your approach going to market even correct? Because mm-hmm. you can fix a lot of pieces, but if you, your delivery and the general idea is not sitting well with your consumers, but how do you need to adjust to, to kind of meet the goals that you're trying to attain? I remember when I was getting hired <laughs> at Breather, um, the COO, Luca, when he was calling people to do references on me, he's like, yes, yes, I know he's good at, at efficiency and running teams and doing all this stuff, but MPS is important. Do you think he can help us improve our MPS? This was a critically important piece for the company. And, and we very much pride ourselves on the fact that our MPS is in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at other hospitality things like hotels, they're generally like 50s, 60s space, yeah. right? So this is space that people are using and they're walking away and they're, they're willing to tell their friends, their families that and say, yes, breather is a place that you should try. Does it matter from a timing perspective? Meaning, do you notice a difference when you send the survey immediately when somebody's done and they've checked out of a room versus waiting, you know, a couple days down, down the road. Does that timing aspect, does that matter? Yes and no. So the reason why I say yes and no is because certain, certain items 
we can manage in the moment. And I have to say our consumers, like what I, what I have noticed in the consumer behaviors with Breather is that if you're in a room and there's something bothering you, you're probably going to call customer care. Mm-hmm. Now, there are issues that, that people are more willing to live with and will kind of give us an after-the-fact kind of feedback on. For example, temperature. Temperature, either hot, too hot, or too cold, will come out much more in someone rating a room than in calling customer care. And when I look at the average rating for like temperature, quote unquote, temperature issues versus other issues is actually, they still rate us four or higher out of five stars when they have a temperature issue. Whereas if you have something like a noise issue, like someone's in the next room with a jackhammer, <laughs> um, they'll rate us much lower, even though we don't control that specific noise. So it, 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 is, it is important uh, for us to kind of address this and we, we do take action when it comes to people rating us low. Uh, what, we've, what we've done historically is we reached out to consumers and said, we're so sorry you had a low rating. You know, why don't you give us another try? Here's a credit towards that. Now, I, I've currently suspended that for the moment because I want to kind of dig in and, and run the numbers and go, is this the, real, the right approach? Is this something that we should be doing? And is, is it driving, you know, are we just trying to buy someone's love and not actually addressing their concern? Yeah. Because I, I honestly believe that consumers, yes, they, they want credits and they do want compensation. But I think ultimately, first and foremost, people want to be heard. Mm-hmm. And they want to understand that somebody has taken note of the fact that they've actually taken time out of their day to tell you that something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely something I want to go back and, and, you know, thoroughly understand and make sure that, you know, what, what the next step on that level is, is, is the right step. You guys actually have a data analytics team. I, you're the you're the first company that I've spoken with that actually has a team sort of dedicated to this, and I think that's awesome. Um, <laughs> what what are they looking for, and are there any interesting findings that you guys can provide that's in this customer experience space? Sure, absolutely. So one of the things, well, obviously our data, data analytics team is is kind of works on a multitude of projects, right? They do all kinds of things, all the things from like yield management all the way to, to the customer experience. Um, but all, a, lot of, a lot of the interesting stuff that they're working on right now that I'm very, very excited about is we're trying to understand um, fundamentally how does ratings and NPS drive repurchase? So when you come in and you have a great time, are you more likely to come back or not? And then if you rate us a, like a, a four instead of a five, what does that indicate? And what does that mean? Um, and is pushing the average rating from, say, like a, point, a 4.5 to a 4.6, being that we're actually um, like creating this, this ultimate love for breather where you're going to want to use us again and again. Mm-hmm. So that, that's some research that they're doing right now, which I'm very, very excited to kind of see the results on. But in turn, like you asked about something that they've already done. And I think one of the things that some of the most interesting things that they've done is taking a look at short-term bookers versus long-term bookers. And what I mean is someone that will book the room for one and a half to three hours versus someone that will book it for the whole day or book it for three days in a row. Mm -hmm. And kind of piecing apart, you know, what are the things that 
we need to address? Like, what are the things that affect or, or have a higher tendency to impact these two groups? And, you know, when the results come out, I mean, they weren't, they weren't a total surprise, but it was good to get some, some actual understanding. So long-term bookers have more issues with things like bathroom access, as an example, because they might have like 14 people in the room mm-hmm. and there might be one bathroom on the floor. Of course, we don't control that. It's usually the building, but it, it, it's interesting to understand this problem because if we're, if we're going to go and go back to our real estate team, we can say, hey, we need, to find, um, we need to find buildings where we put breathers that have larger bathrooms, as an example, that can accommodate more people. Or um, we can go back to the design team because one of the things people say is, your rooms are beautiful, but the chairs, you know, when I'm in there for eight, nine hours a day for three days in a row, I, I get kind of uncomfortable on them. They're great on design. So we went back to the design team and they started working on uh, chairs that are both comfortable and functional. Um, so the, the, this, this kind of feedback that we're getting from long-term bookers are ultimately helping us get better at it. Now, people that booked shorter times generally did not face these same issues because they sat in the chair for an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, and they were fine because it's, it's not an all-day event. Yeah. So there, there, it, it, it was some really good feedback and, and really good to be able to separate these two groups and fully understand what, what is different between the two. And, and then we can take some very good actions up front to be able to manage those. You guys also have a qualitative research team. So not only are you hitting the hardcore data with the quantitative, but you do have the qualitative. Uh, what do you use this team for? How do they fit into the customer experience equation? Charles uh, Colby is actually the guy that leads up our, our qualitative research. He has done some incredible work. Uh, he, he's actually... He calls. He spends a lot of time talking to our customers. He's done customer profiles. He's talked to them about what they like. He actually built our first consumer profiles in terms of, you know, this is the therapist that uses our smaller spaces to meet their clients. And here's, here's the tech startup that, that uses us for offsites. And so he built these seven archetypes. Wait, that, which is an extremely important part of, of any business is to have those profiles. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that what, what, what's particularly difficult at, at uh, Charles's job is that we're ever-evolving, right? So he's constantly got to have these conversations with our consumers to, to con- continuously understand the evolving nature on the qualitative side. Mm-hmm. Like what's actually important to you? you know, what are the things that, that you actually enjoy about breather? What are some of the things that you, you, you don't tell us, but you would love to tell us that we should provide or could provide? Um, and he's actually gone as far as we've, we've had all hands meetings in, in the company where Charles will bring in willing, willing participants who are consumers and we'll do an interview right in front of the entire company. And oh, the company awesome. can then turn around and ask questions like, hey, we're, we're thinking about working on this. What do you think about that? So it, it, we're, Charles has done some great work being able to build those archetypes and, and actually you know, introduce consumers to, to people like engineers who, who honestly unfortunately, sometimes are very cut off from the consumer base and allow that, that dialogue to happen. Yeah, that, that I, I absolutely love that. Anytime a company can bring in a, a customer, and not only do you see a face with that customer, but then you can have the ability to ask them questions. It fits perfectly into putting the customer in the middle and then growing the company around what that customer wants. As far as measuring customer feedback, how do you do that? Okay, so uh, 
we, we measure it in a bunch of, different, bunch of different ways. Obviously, MPS, we measure MPS the same way everybody measures MPS. Uh, we measure customer satisfaction in the customer care team. And we, we actually measure it by channel. So we measure, we have a different customer uh, satisfaction score for phones, for chat, and for email. Um, and it's really important for me to keep, pay attention to all three, uh, mainly because phones tends to be harder in term, uh, to, to, to have a higher CSAT score, whereas written communication like chat or, or email tend to be much higher. Mm-hmm. We measure our room ratings. We measure it globally by city and by location. Uh, <laughs> so all around, and I actually report back to the entire company every single month, how all of these different, um, satisfaction scores are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to create a conversation internally. Um, uh, I mean, I have a, I have a specific channel in, in Slack called customer experience where I post literally everything I learn, everything that I come across. I post in the customer experience channel and it's a cross functional channel. So we have people from engineering, people from the executive team, people from the cities, um, people from marketing. We've got everybody. We have representation from all of our departments in there. And we, we actually are able to talk through a lot of these things. I do want to, talk about a quote that you recently said in an article. You said, what we ultimately want to do is ensure consistency as the network grows. And further to that, anticipate potential issues ahead of time when we launch new markets. Now you have all of this great data, you have well thought out um, feedback points throughout the whole customer journey. What tools are you using to help out with this? I, I think it's I think that's also very important so that people can understand, like, how do you actually measure this? What tools are you using? That, that is, that is the, the biggest question of all, because obviously consistency for me, by far the most important thing. And if we're not able to maintain that, then, you know, it will hurt our brand. It will hurt our customer experience. So obviously, as a startup, there, we have a lot of things floating around and not everything has been written down as an ultimate process. Like this is how it's done. So what I'm actually trying to do is I'm trying to use Zendesk um, as a primary tool to help manage this. Because what we have is, is we have a situation right now where we're in, uh, where I'm, my team, my customer care team is centrally located. And then we have currently 10 cities, so 10 different markets. And we have to communicate with all of these markets. So what we need to be able to do is we need to have a, a tool in place to be able to communicate customer needs back and forth from, from each market in a trackable, traceable manner mm. um, so that we can measure um, SLAs, uh, we can measure turnaround times, we, we can ensure that when a request comes in from a consumer or an issue that comes in, it can be solved and we can make a promise to our consumer saying, Yes, I've reached out to the city. Someone will be there in 10 minutes to be able to assist you mm-hmm. with this particular issue. Say it's uh, they can't get into the breather, as an example, which is absolutely horrifying to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're actually rolling this out right now to all the markets. We, we rolled it out to our first market in New York City, um, and it's going great. Uh, we're able to better understand, actually, not just what cons- consumers are saying, 
but we're also measuring requirements from ops into customer care now and the actions that we need to take potentially with customers, where that entire piece was completely dark to me before because it all happened on Slack. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was instantaneous, but I had no way to go back and audit and understand. So as we grow, the consistency really is an operations-based exercise between customer care and this, the operation teams in market. And uh, there needs to be a very easy and trackable way to do that. So I'm currently rolling out Zendesk to every single market. Um, and then any new market that, that we add, say like a Seattle or a, or a Paris or, or something like that, mm-hmm. they will start off with Zendesk and we will have all these processes in there. And the, the, the side to that, the other side to that is I'm also working with the, the city teams because Zendesk has something called Help Center, which is what we use as an FAQ. But the second part of that FAQ is we need to have locked articles that are only viewable by, by Zendesk users. So I'm, I'm really kind of pushing Zendesk to its limits in terms of, you know, Usually it's just a ticketing program to, to, to talk to your consumers. But the way I see it is I can leverage as a ticketing system to also talk to my internal customers um, so that we can, we can better understand. Like, hey, we might be able to see that there's a certain type of request going to or from the city. And we're like, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this? This is obviously something broken. And then mm-hmm. we can go and address that right away. Um, so I, I do think like, like I talk about Zendesk a lot, but that's because a lot of my plans and a lot of things that I want to do actually leverage Zendesk and what it does. And that makes total sense as far as you, you were in the dark and now you have all this data, it's it's trackable and you can go back and look at you know previous requests that came through from a customer. How do you make sure you get the right feedback in the right hands at the right time? Yeah. And that, that can be a challenge sometimes because when you have multiple departments within a company... Not that they don't want to focus on it, but they have priorities that might already be on their plate. So that, that is a great, great question. Um, what you have to do sometimes is make people care. Mm-hmm. Right? And what you need to do is you need to present it in a way where you're like, for example, you might be talking to someone that runs a city. Obviously, like the cities are, are accountable to, to generate revenue. So in some cases, what you need to do, you, you need to go to people and say, look, this is costing you X dollars every time this happens. And generally, when I speak to somebody in those terms, they're like, okay, that makes perfect sense to me. Let's fix this. <laughs> Let's get going. And, and it's just, for me, it's getting getting it in front of people is not, not an issue for me. I think what, what the issue is sometimes is getting them to understand the actual full impact. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that, that takes some, some conversation um, because obviously what they're working on is important too. And we're all working in the same direction. It's just sometimes getting people to understand like, this is a, as an aspect of customer experience is hyper important. And the side part of it is it's going to cost us money down the line or it's going to not help with repurchase rate. So to a certain, you got, I got to do a little internal selling sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I think that just comes with any department, giving any feedback to any other department. Do you ever use feedback to mediate a negative customer experience? The reason why I say this is that I could see times where, say somebody has you know, a, a bad experience where, say, the Wi-Fi doesn't work and, and they don't say anything and they're, they're quiet on their end and then all of a sudden they get the survey and they say, yep, the Wi-Fi didn't work. And it was like, well, if you told us it didn't work, we could have helped out. Do you ever use that real-time feedback to then mediate you know, a potential negative experience? 
what we, we did previously and which I'm, I'm kind of looking into right now is we would reach out and say, we're so sorry to hear about the Wi-Fi. This is obviously something that you know we want to fix. Um, we would love to be able to, to, in the future, when you book another breather, to let us know at that point because we can do something about it when it happens. And, you know, as a way of saying, sorry, here's a credit for, for X dollars at that point. Now, that doesn't, it doesn't always necessarily have an output that we want. Mm-hmm. We didn't see a lot of responses from that in terms of people communicating back with the customer care team. And that's why I was like, Let, let's take a step back. Let's actually take a look and see if this is the right approach. Even. Um, because what, what I also don't want to do <laughs> is I don't want to inundate people with, with I don't want to over communicate. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what you need to do is you need to find a balance because uh, we, we do ask for a rating. We do send you an MPS email. Um, we do send you emails when you book a room and you're going to occasionally get marketing emails from us. Right? So I need to be able to balance our need to be able to say, I'm sorry and, and reach out to you versus, you know, am I actually bothering you? So mm-hmm. it's, it's really important for, for, for us to, to understand is this action actually having the positive impact we wanted to have. How do you balance that line? That, that's interesting that, that you're right. Like you have to balance that communication of that frequency of communication where some too much could be annoying. Like, like how do you really figure that out? <laughs> yeah, uh, I would think at this point for us, it's a little bit of trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not super scientific, um, to be honest with you, but we are moving in the directions to measure and understand the cadences um, and, and what should be out there and how it should work. A lot of what we do is we're just forging new territory as we move forward. So do people want this communication? Do they not want it? I mean, as our customer base evolves, we're going to need to further understand that. Because if you're signing up with your work address, we'll probably probably not want to send you a, a lot of emails because that's going to flood your, your, your actual business inbox. And that's just going to drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, it is a question of, of trying to balance it. I do think that from a customer care standpoint, when I reach out to a consumer, I want it to be meaningful and I want it to be impactful. And I want it to, I want to leave you with a, a warm and fuzzy feeling almost mm. uh, where, where you're like, okay, this, this made sense for them to reach out to me. It gave me the information that I required. They were super friendly and super nice. I'm happy with this communication. Instead of um, trying to do like a mass communication to thousands of people that that filled out a, a rating going, hey, I'm sorry I heard about this issue. Here's a credit. Like is people appreciate it when there's a human element involved. I saw that recently. Somebody posted on LinkedIn and they said, dear salespeople, if you're trying to sell me, do five minutes of research and write something a little bit more personal and I will answer it every single time. And I I completely agree. And what we try to promote on this podcast is the personalization. Customers can really sniff out when companies are not personal. And when you can just add just a little bit of that personal element, the customer experience goes through the roof. It goes up much, much higher. And really taking a look, and I'm glad you brought that up, really taking a look at the communication touch points and saying, is this going to add value or no? And it's as simple as that. And if you look at that and say, yes, like it is, go ahead, send it. If not, and you're just saying we're just communicating to communicate, mm, you might want to hold on to that. Um, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's really at the core of what 
what I am trying to do with the customer care team. I mean, like, again, like I want people to be serviced in the way that they want to be serviced. But if they're going to talk to a human, I want them to feel like they're talking to a person, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I mean, people have come to me internally, you know, the engineers, generally speaking, they're like, Hey, there's this great thing that, you know, it's a bot. I'm like, I don't, I don't even want to hear it. (laughs) I don't even want to hear it. A lot of companies will look at customer care as an expense. I do understand that. And I I do see it. They're like, Oh, it's costing so much money. I'm like, yes, but what, what does customer service do for your brand? And would you pay a marketing company to have ambassadors that speak as highly for your brand? as my customer care team does. What is it that that you want when the customer has an issue? Because when they call you, you're in a deficit as a company already because there's an issue. Mm-hmm. And you, you need somebody that's going to be there, that's going to answer the phone or answer the chat or answer the email within a very short amount of time because people's patience to get through is, their threshold is actually quite low. I mean, I'm very, very proud to say that like, our customer customer satisfaction score for chat is 99% right now. I've been doing this for a very, very long time, and I have never seen um, satisfaction scores at that level. So this may be a leading question. I'm not quite sure. Um, but sales versus customer experience. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. But for, <laughs> for, for people who are listening and saying to themselves, I'm in a company. I want to go to the person who I think best understands the customer. Who do you think in this competition wins, sales or customer service? I think that um, the actual answer comes from uh, both. And I'll tell you why. Customer, like salespeople talk to um, a lot of customers and customers tell them what they want. But at that point, before they try the product, customers don't actually know what they're going to need per se. It's like packing for a vacation. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll bring this shirt. I'll bring these pants. And, and a lot of people overpack because they think they're going to need things that they don't actually need. And that's how I feel the sales piece will work. You'll get good feedback. But what ends up happening with the customer care side is you understand, like, when people call in to complain about something, it's something that they really, really need mm-hmm. um, or something that didn't work out or something that they didn't think about beforehand that they now realize they need. So I, I honestly think that you need feedback from both groups to kind of compare and contrast. Because like a lot of people ask for this, but no one calls customer care about it when they're in the room. Final two questions. What is the next step for Breather in terms of continuing to provide the memorable customer experience? And, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, I've known a handful of people that have used you guys. Their experience is through the roof. What are you guys doing to continue this? Right now, what we're, we're, what we're starting to, to kind of understand is we need to... We need to start centralizing process, uh, not maybe not centralized, centralized, but standardizing process across boards operationally. I think that that is hyper important because if you're in LA and you're using the space in LA, we want you to go to New York and we want that experience to be seamless. The same, you're not going to get the same rooms, obviously, because you're in a different city, but the exact same um, experience. Um, because if you're if if you're moving around from city to city things shouldn't be different. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that we get smarter about how we manage the rooms as well, because that's really going to help with the consistency. And I know there's a lot of projects going uh, on with our engineering team to better equip our city operations teams to be able to keep track of furniture, keep track of things like projectors that, you know, we may bring to a room or 
keep track of the actual like health of the space, right? Like, oh, this place needs to be painted. You know, I'll, I'll mark it on this app. And then, you know, it'll go to the construction team that can come fix it as an example. Yeah. These type of things, like we're leveraging building the technology internally so that we can better manage the space so that we can help um, make sure that we meet the expectations of people when they come to those rooms. I think that, you know, this is obviously something that we, we, <laughs> we don't have yet. So it means that we have to rely very heavily on customer care feedback. But there's a whole group of people on the ground that also see these rooms as well. So we need to leverage that knowledge and the fact that they're actually in the space, cleaning it, fixing it, moving furniture around, making sure everything's intact and in order. So the the huge thing that we're doing is we're building this entire new app for the people in market to be able to manage that. So that's a huge, it's going to be a huge step forward in terms of standardization and, and managing the experience even at the ground level. Final question. I like to end the show with a segment, just like how I like to start the show with a segment. Uh, this one is actually called If I Only Knew. It's a chance for you to look back at, at your life uh, and look back at how you've implemented customer experience into something that you've worked on. What lesson would you tell your young self, uh, you know, your if I only knew type of moment? I think that if I could tell my younger self something, I used to view the customer experience as only living in the customer care team. Like you come to me, we will take care of you. It will be awesome. I thought that was like mission accomplished. Yeah. It, over time I've, I've come to learn like, no, that is just, that is the bare bones. That, that is not what, what I should be doing. What I really should be doing is I should be the town crier in the company going here, he, here, he, we have a problem over here. We need to fix it mm-hmm. and getting much more involved with all the other departments. I think that customer care in a lot of companies can be isolated. I think that's a, a big mistake. But I also think there's a little bit of isolationism in the customer care teams in a lot of companies as well. So I, I think that going out there and continuously speaking on behalf of the customer in terms of what's happening and what we should be doing and how we should be doing it is critically important. And, and you know, I wish I could tell younger self, like, get these tools, like, get, like, a Zendesk equivalent so you can quantify it. Because one of the issues too, like it, when I when I was uh, earlier in my career, I didn't really have any tools to quantify data. So a lot of times, feedback when I when I would be invited to the table to discuss these things would be viewed as more anecdotal, right? So you have to say you have to be able to say with with comments like seventy percent of consumers are having this issue. Like that, that's outrageous. Like how how can we allow this to stand? And I think kind of being out there and speaking more outside of your own departments uh, from a customer care standpoint is, is so important. I wish I had started that long time ago when I was much, much younger. Uh, well, excellent. Well, well, Kurt, that is, that's a good tip. I'm sure everybody will appreciate that. Thanks for joining today. This was an awesome conversation. I'm super excited to see you guys grow in the next month, the next two months, the next couple of years. To everybody listening, you can find out more about everything we discussed on the Dispatch blog. That is blog.dispatch.me. You'll find all the links, all the contact information for Breather, Kurt. It will all be in the show notes. Again, Kurt, thanks for coming on the show today. It was great chatting. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I actually really enjoyed it. This, This was a great conversation. If you want to learn more about customer experience, head over to the Dispatch blog, that is blog.dispatch.me. 
Remember to subscribe to In The Know on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, thanks for joining, and we'll see you next episode.